Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Now, I'm mindful that some have called into question our information, recalling previous instances where intelligence ultimately did not bear out. But let me be clear. I am here today not to start a war, but to prevent one. The information I presented here is validated by what we've seen unfolding in plain sight before our eyes for months. That's Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State. He spoke in front of the United Nations, the Security Council, which oddly enough in this session is headed up by the Russians. Talking about Ukraine, I will share it in full a little bit later. Because it's important. I'm a believer that we all got to hear it. We got to hear it for ourselves so we know what in the world it is they're talking about so we know when we're getting lied to about it. But there's a big conversation about whether or not we're... You've got America, you know, engaging the drumbeats to war, a whole wag the dog conversation. As I said before, and I'll say it again, I'm not in that camp. Edward Snowden is tweeting out things like, now that the promised invasion has failed to materialize, maybe we could take another look at the story that was breaking when the White House was suddenly overcome with a mysterious and inexplicable desire to change the news cycle. That story, CIA has secret program that collects American data. We talked about that story here. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Do you believe that this has all been wag the dog? which is to the idea that they utilize the possibility of war as a way of stopping us from talking about, well, things like either the CIA or or, or, or any other thing. I would put forth to you that, of course, it happens. The story of Bill Clinton and the aspirin factory, bombing the uh, the aspirin factory as uh, Bill Clinton did while he was in the middle of, what was it, Lewinsky, uh, Lewinsky-itis? That was a very, very large-scale story and a great conversation regarding Wag the Dog. Meaning that you do this to take people's minds off of, uh, take the attention off of, and, and, and bring them back to, to, to something that you, you want them to think about, not the thing that they wanted to think about. It's, uh, it's, it happens. I'm not going to say no to that. But the amassing of troops on the border, well, that um, that wasn't something that got materialized by the Biden administration. So it's not a conversation that I think is, is legitimate. You, what you can argue is legitimate is how they don't talk about other things. I think that's, that's real. And we've all seen that. It's a great example about how two things can be happening at the same time. It's not always conspiratorial, no matter how much you want it to be. Sometimes these things are happening. By the way, season four of Stranger Things, according to producer Ari, our official Stranger Things correspondent, will be broken up into uh, two, two seasons in the same season, right? Two parts. Two parts. One in May and one in July? You got it. There it is. There it is. Maybe the only reason still to have Netflix. 
very possibly. Two things can happen at the same time. Russia is indeed amassing on the border. And the story of today, you know, they were talking about, oh, they're, they're removing troops. Oh, troops, you're seeing troops head out. My gosh, you're, you're not, they're, they're, they're pulling troops away. Well, we'll, well, when we see it, we'll believe it. When we see it, we'll believe it. Meanwhile, the story today is that they added 7,000 troops. There's a story over at military.com that um, invasion may have never been uh, Putin's plan because he may have wanted the the diplomatic off-ramp, as they like to call it. And the diplomatic off-ramp may give him some other opportunities. And one of the arguments that's made here uh, by a Ronald Sunni. I don't know Ronald Sunni, and I, he may be a total whack job of a dude. I don't know, but he's at military.com, and so, or he's being quoted at military.com, and I utilize them a lot as, as a uh, source and, 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 a, and a resource. And he says if you zoom out from the events of the past few weeks, it's possible to see this dangerous standoff as part of the continuing fallout from the disintegration of the Soviet Union in the early 90s. 30 years later, the architecture of what's supposed to be the new world order is still being built. Russia is a regional power in decline and feels insecure. If countries were able to experience emotions, Russia's dominant feeling would be, I believe, humiliation. It feels it is a victim of Western expansion and wants a restoration of its lost influence. This is exactly the conversation we've been having. Talking about Putin's emotional state seeing the fall of the Soviet Union as a moral failure and wanting to rebuild Mother Russia. I think this is actually said extremely well. But it goes to something we've been talking about for the last few days, where for Putin, you have to understand how emotional this is. This is all emotion-based, every last bit of it. So even if you were to say, man, this calculus doesn't make any sense to me. Look, I've studied some history. I've read my son, Sue. I, I, I went to the war college. I did whatever. It doesn't make sense. I can appreciate such a thing. But when you're dealing with emotion, sometimes things don't make sense. So the argument being made here is that what's going on with Ukraine fits with a military concept called strategic depth, which refers to the territory between a country and what it perceives to be hostile enemies. It's an interesting, interesting look at the situation. So maybe they uh, engage to pretend to engage so you think of them as stronger than they are. In the same way that the U.S. reacts to any signs of Russian or Chinese military presence in Latin America, so too is Moscow keen on keeping its strategic depth. Putin does not want a neighboring state falling under the military influence of what he sees as unfriendly nations. He wants a buffer. This is the conversation about Ukraine and NATO. And one of the reasons people, like we've had uh, a retired uh, Army Major Mike Lyons on the show numerous times. He was just on Newsmax uh, the other day talking about this. They really don't want Ukraine as NATO, as a NATO nation. And so we're clear, Ukraine is not going to become a NATO nation. Germany and France have already put the kibosh on that. All politics are local. So you, engage, you, you, you build up a mass of 130,000, 150,000 troops on the southern border with Ukraine just to show your people you're serious about Russia's future? 
Well, that may very well be true, but there's a second part of it that can't be ignored, which is this desire of Putin to bring Russia back together. And that includes parts of Ukraine, not the whole of Ukraine, because there are plenty of people in there, like the Donbass region, that southeastern part of Ukraine. They see themselves ethnically as Russians, and they don't mind this. Was the whole thing just a, just a ruse? No. The purpose of any of these movements is to get something. Certainly, you got to play all politics are local. And how does Putin look to his people? Then you got to take a look at history. You have uh, Russia seizing Crimea from Ukraine in 2014. We watched that happen with our own eyes. Why would we not think that this would happen with Ukraine? They took Crimea. Thank you. That's ours now. So, of course, it's possible that this could happen. It could still happen. I don't want it to. I don't want it to at all. But it's not, it's not right to say, oh, this was just all a way of getting your eyes off the ball to the other thing. And I love it when people come to me and they say to me, oh, Tony, you're not, you're, you're, you're not looking deep enough. Oh, Tony, you're smarter than that. Dude, I talk to smart people every day of my life trying to get an understanding of what's happening here. Sometimes I've got it. Sometimes I'm a little bit off. I'm getting played. I'm part of the problem because I don't buy into to uh, so-and-so's uh, uh, view of this. I can't worry about that. I can't. Here's where we are. Here is the latest. Do I trust the Russians? No. And one of the things that got said by um, Ned Price. Now, Ned Price is the uh, press secretary, spokesperson for the Pentagon. And this was very, very, very true. You cannot, cannot, cannot trust the Russians. It can't be done. They lie about everything, everywhere, all of the time. That's how he's trained. You think a KGB agent is is trained on being a good, decent, moral, upstanding citizen? They're trained on winning by any means necessary. So we shouldn't be surprised that, that Putin lies. And yes, we should be always having that in our mind, that, Putin's, that Putin is lying. It should be there every step of the way. For me, it absolutely is. It never loses my sight that he uh, is a liar and could be lying. That he is a liar and he is lying. This wasn't wag the dog as I see it. Just one man's theory. Right now, Joe Biden, he is in Ohio talking about infrastructure. Let's hear what he's got to say. Or who's he yelling at? I don't know. You never know with him. I was going to play it, but it froze for a second. There we go. And uh, former congresswoman just on the other side of this district. And uh, she said something that reminded me of uh, what I miss as well. She said, it's so good to be home in Ohio. No, I really mean it. And I said, you're probably the only one here who understands that every time I get a chance, I go home to Delaware. You think I'm joking, I'm not. I represented Delaware for 36 years as United States Senator. And, uh, and just like most congressional districts, the good news is the bad news. Everybody knows you. <laughs> well, it's great to, I, I, I was great hearing you say that. It's great hearing you say that. 
Well, Administrator Regan, uh, I talked him into coming out of uh, what they consider God's country down there in the Carolina area. And uh, he came up and took on this job. And, uh, and as I said, uh, and a proud daughter of Ohio, Secretary of Housing and Urban Affairs, uh, um, Marsha Fudge, uh, who's represented the district as well. And Mitch Lander, who's leading implementation of our infrastructure worry. Mitch, they don't know anybody from New Orleans down here. He used to be the mayor of New Orleans, and uh, I called him. He, mayors know how to get things done, as the mayor will tell you here. And I called him, asked him to come up, and would he be the hands-on guy to actually implement the law, implement it, get it done, and let people know how they can access it. And, uh, and Brenda, Brenda Malloy, chair of our Council of Economic Quality. Brenda, where are you? There well, if are. he's just going to go around talking to people and not focus on infrastructure, well, what am I supposed to do with this guy? He promised me an infrastructure conversation, but he's, uh, he's, he's rarely up to the thing. He's too busy glad-handing. They're promoting the bipartisan infrastructure bill while they're also asking for more money to say, look, this is what happens when we work together, meaning you do what I want, and this is what happens when we spend money. It's a trillion dollars on this infrastructure bill. And what are we going to get for it? Well, this is about Great Lakes restoration. I, I will give him a minute. If he doesn't get to it, I'm moving on. Chantel, I said, there you go, right in front there. Congratulations, and it's great. Yeah, I'm done. I gave it all I could. More coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Markets are still taking the hit. They were down 440 a little earlier. Right now, the Dow is down 357. The Nasdaq is down 233 because they're waiting to see what happens in Ukraine. You could talk about it. Your theory is all you want. Uh, markets going to wait. I think there's an interesting story out of Walmart. A very interesting story about how they see their um, how they see their financial future. And so Walmart, uh, according to their CFO, Brett Biggs, um, consumers are paying attention to prices. I mean, some of them may be trading down and getting uh, other brands, right? You're used to a brand name. Now you're like, you know what? I don't care if it's a brand name or not. I just need the thing because the brand name has become too expensive because of inflation. Um, but they see an opportunity for people who are going to become more price sensitive to say, I'm no longer going to shop at name that supermarket. I'm going to shop at Walmart. And they think that that is a huge, huge advantage. This according to the CEO, Doug McMillan. It's a question I never thought to ask. But certainly it does play into some conversations I've had with realtors. That as you see prices go up on homes, yet you're also going to see interest rates go up on homes. That doesn't mean that the price is going to come down. It means that people are just going to be able to afford less house. That's all it means. The price is going to remain the price. I would have figured prices would have come down on houses. And, and I've I spoken to a couple of realtors. They're like, no, we don't see it that way. When you take a look at used vehicles, I've, you know, I, I, I want to apologize. I, I didn't share the story in full yesterday, and I talked about it so much. What's going on with, with, with car buying? This was Fox Business. Four out of five shoppers overpaid in January for a vehicle. Right? Crazy. And when you take a look at the brands, 
Cadillac customers paid $4,000 over sticker. Land Rover, $2,500. Kia, about $2,300. In January of 2020, 0.3% of consumers paid over MSRP. In January of 2022, 82.2%. It's nuts. But what that tells me is that people are paying more for the vehicle. They're not necessarily going to a, a, a lesser vehicle. So when we take a look at, at, at used car prices, and the average price for a used car is twenty nine grand, well, that means the, people aren't adjusting for that and saying, "Okay, I'm only going to buy something fourteen thousand." Well, the fourteen thousand vehicle may have been something that was only ninety five hundred two years ago. But it's interesting that in the in, I don't hear that so much in the automotive, and I'm not hearing it in real estate, but I'm, we're getting it in in food. Food is the thing that people are like, look, ketchup is ketchup. If if I had my choice, I'm getting red gold. But when I don't, you know, ketchup is ketchup. I said red gold because I'm in Indiana, and uh, you know, I'm I'm good like that. If you're hearing this in Pittsburgh, I said Heinz. That's interesting to me. That when when the the re- when I, I said recession, although there are some people economists who believe that that's what's coming. When you're in this inflationary period, there are some things that you will you will you will be forced to pay more for, but there are other things you're willing to give on. Like you no longer get Charmin, you get you know wipe away. Which, by the way, if there is not a brand of toilet paper named wipe away. Producer Ari, start manufacturing. I found that to be a fascinating thing, and and therefore Walmart is like, yeah, okay, this is cool. But does that mean Aldi is about to explode? Aldi has just opened another billion stores. It's crazy. They have like 24, 2,500 locations in the U.S. Have, have you ever been to an Aldi? It's a supermarket. But they deal with off-brand and, and odd things. It's supposedly a really good like keto selection and, and stuff like that. Uh, Fingers Malloy, who does Eat, Drink, Smoke with me, the Cigar and Bourbon Show, uh, he's, he's a fan. Unreal. But telling. But uh, no doubt people are making choices and making changes. And one of the places I expect this to happen is with vacations, with uh, people's entertainment. I won't be surprised if I see travel down this summer, but movies up. Because people are staying home. Hey, if I'm going to put $5,000 into a flight, why can't I put $5,000 into uh, a a new home theater system? If I'm going to do the money anyway, or maybe now's not the time to do it at all. More to get to. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. Rush Limbaugh passed away one year ago today. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 
Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Let's go bourbon, available at Amazon.com. The book is doing great. It's the bourbon reader you've always needed. It's recipes, it's history, it's quotes. It's a good time. We've got quotes from PJ O'Rourke in there who passed away just this past week at the age of 74. Uh, but I'm not here without Rush Limbaugh. Never met the man. I saw him speak once um, at an, an event in, in California. It's a, I have a take on that, which I'll, I'll save for off the air. But I, I was here in this chair a year ago relaying this news to you when it got announced on, on, his, uh, on his show by his, his wife that he had passed away. And, of course, there were the people out there who hate everything and everyone, and they cheered it. And then there were us who, for different reasons and different purposes and different moments in our lives, took a moment to reflect, and some people shed a tear. I won't lie uh, about my own emotions in engaging this conversation with you. My emotions were not because I grew up as a rush baby. I didn't. I didn't grow up listening to talk radio, and I, as a host today, don't listen. And the reason I don't listen is because I don't want anybody else's thought in my head. There is nothing that more frightens me as a radio host than engaging a conversation and someone saying, you know, so-and-so said that just yesterday. Oh, I don't ever want to be that guy. I don't. I know. Then again, if somebody, you know, is cribbing my stuff tomorrow, I'm like, all right, whatever. As long as they're getting the good information out, I'm super cool. No, the the emotion comes from a recognition that if he had not invented a category, a, a moment for us all to get together, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have a job. I don't know what I'd be doing. Honestly, what other skill set do I have? He created the category. He created the category of talk radio. It didn't exist like this. It didn't exist with this kind of fun, with this kind of jovialness. It didn't know it, not a chance. I actually had written a, a piece uh, for NBC. What did people get wrong about, about Rush? And I would uh, say, well, well, not specifically quoting the piece, but going about its themes, this idea that Rush was angry, that Rush was bitter, none of that is true. I would tell you today that I think a tremendous amount of talk radio is angry and is bitter, and I will tell you as sure as I'm sitting here, there are moments where I absolutely fall into that, and I try desperately not to. I have my executive producer, uh, Matt Hiblin, listening for it every single day. Am I getting too angry? And it's easy to understand why. I mean, look at the level of the madness. This is a madness that is, is, is hard to comprehend, coming at you with, with record blazing speed. But the, the thing that connected people to Rush was A, a, a command of the conversation, B, a jovialness in the conversation, the whole concept of happy warrior. Happy warrior is really important. People are very, very, very attracted to happy warrior. 
They have P.J. O'Rourke. You, you've, you've read that about him. Smart, smart, smart dude. By the way, the quote, I'll share it. Hold on, I've got to grab it off the shelf. That's right, I keep Let's Go Bourbon on the shelf. If you ever watch me on TV, it's on the book. It's on the shelf behind me. So the quote from PJ O'Rourke, here it is. Uh, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. Right? That's, that's a great line. That's an absolutely fantastic line right there. You, you, you love a guy who's got to turn a phrase. You love a guy who, who, who could take this, this darkness is evil and just give it a little bit of a, look at these people. Look how silly. Look how foolhardy. Look how wrong. But even Rush could, could deliver with the, with, with, with the passion and, and with the strength. But there, there is no question. There is no doubt. None. I don't have a career without him. And, and you can name a whole host of people. People that you know and, and, and people uh, that, that you've heard of and people that you listen to and people that you don't. Look, I'm fully aware that I, I, I'm in a, in a time slot. I, I go up against Dan Bongino and I go up against uh, 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 Clay and Buck. Right? I'm fully aware. They don't have gigs without Limbaugh. Dana Lash doesn't have a gig without Limbaugh. Levin doesn't have a gig. Local hosts all across the country. Eric Erickson or Larry O'Connor or John Justice. None of these people. Stacey Washington, Kira Davis, they don't have jobs without them. Doesn't even, it's just not there. You got you to gotta marvel at what was happening there. It, today... There's a whole bunch of us lifting a really, really, I would argue, valuable load in terms of the conversations that the people uh, like the Washington Post and CNN don't have. Back then, it was him against the entire Clinton machine. That's nuts. That's nuts. And you got to admit, he did pretty damn well. So it's a... it's important uh, to to remember the man. I didn't say you had to agree with everything he said. I said you have to remember the man. It's like the song, right? My my city was gone. Hit hit it again, there, producer. Right? I went back to Ohio, but my city was gone. This song was, no was his intro. That that baseline, no right from the very beginning. All right, all right. And the reason, as the story goes, that Rush took it is because he's like, that bass line's freaking awesome. That bass line is iconic. It moves. It grooves. It kind of sets, it kind of sets the, uh, the, 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 the groundwork there for, for, you know, kind of feel that he's going for. Uh, Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders had gotten word that he was using this. Like, oh, you shouldn't let him use that. And her response was, well, don't tell me what to do. He's paying the royalties, I'll let him use it. And supposedly, like, the song is all about how, you know, this Ohio town kind of fell apart because the plant went away and and maybe it's an anti-capitalism screed, whatever the case may be. And so Rush thought it was this great ironic turn that he was using it 
And then there came a moment where uh, Chrissy Hind is a big uh, uh, supporter of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, and something came up, and even though uh, Rush had mocked these kinds of people, something came up, and he, he defended a position that PETA had, and she was like, you know what? He gets to keep using the song. The very, very best part of, of being a conservative in this position, no, I'm nowhere as big as Rush Limbaugh, and I don't think I'm ever going to get there. It's not because I don't think I can. It's not because I don't think I have, I, I don't have the skill set. It's because I just, I just don't see it. Right? I, I could be wrong. But then again, I, I, maybe I should say it this way. I don't chase it. There was a while there where I chased it. Uh, and, and what I realized is I, I, don't know, I didn't know what I was chasing. There was a while there where I was chasing Fox News. Want to be on Fox, be a contributor on Fox. You got to be on Fox. That's it. I am not anti-Fox. I was just on this past weekend. I'm only asking the question, is that it? There are only so many jobs. And I don't want to be a pundit. So there are fewer jobs. Is that the only way? I had to ask myself that question. Because it wasn't going to happen. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, what is it that you're actually chasing here? Is this is this worth your time? Is this I mean is this is this how you, you, you really feel? Is this what you truly believe? Is this what you want? And the answer is well no. It isn't. I don't want to chase. I just want to do. I want to do, I want to be able to put out a solid product, and I want people to be able to recognize it and then they'll come to it. That's how it's done. You get yourself involved and do I have to keep up with how many followers I have over here and how many views I have over there? You do try to build those things up because it creates more opportunity for you. Even Rush had the store. He donated it all to charity. Rush had the stack of stuff. He had the lists. He was doing this. I mean, come on. He was doing the things. But what, what is it that you're chasing? Which is funny because I did. I, I admit to the fact that I chased that. But I never chased anything in radio. I ne- never, ne- never, ne- it didn't even dawn on me to chase anything in radio. I simply did the show I wanted to do. And over the years, that has changed a little bit, maneuvered a little bit. I've become less angry. I've become happier with, with, with what I'm doing. And I think that it, it has translated pretty well. To the extent that that was an influence of Rush, I don't know. People talk about Rush Limbaugh, if you didn't know this, he actually had a top 40 background. Rush had a background in in music radio. And that, um, as, as has been discussed with me, was very, very helpful in the way he went about engaging, uh, engaging the program. Right? He was, you know, how, how you would do things. He, he don't get me wrong. He probably referred to himself. I think he did refer to himself as a failure as a DJ. And then he got into the sports thing and, and then the other stuff. I think it was, was, was Becca a music DJ too? There's something about that world that's kind of helpful in, in, in uh, not just hitting the post, but knowing how to, engage a conversation and and kind of kind of keep it on on a, on a happier kind of kind of thing
on a happier kind of feel. He didn't just start and all of a sudden it was perfect. It had to build. It had to grow. Do you think he was chasing something or was he just saying, how do I do this better? How do I make this better? I, I think that there's something very much to be taken uh, from that, that you don't go about chasing the thing. You go about asking yourself, what is, what is your goal? What is your purpose? What is your point? And are you doing that to the very best of your ability? And do you go to sleep at night being able to say, you know what? That was solid. I did something today. I think he went to bed at night saying that was solid. I did something today. I think that's rare. And I think that that's admirable. And I think it's something, if we're going to chase something, that's the thing to chase. Chase the idea that you can rest your head on the pillow at night and say, good work. I think that's sometimes all there is to it. But to be able to even have this conversation with you, that doesn't happen with that Rush Limbaugh. Doesn't happen. Does not happen. And then there's, a, there's, there's something else to remember. The guy educated millions of people. And if you want to understand why those on the political left really and truly, truly hated him, that's why. That's why he was more effective than their people, than their media outlets, than their apparatchik. He was more effective, and that, am I allowed to say pissed them off? To no end, infuriated them. I do think that he enjoyed infuriating them. I think that was, I think that made him very, very happy. It has been one year since the death of Rush Limbaugh. Thought it was worthy to note. I'm Tony Katz. Can say is that as an elected official, um, I've been uh, one of the most vocal members of Congress on inclusion of a path to citizenship um, for for the over you know 11 million thir- potentially upwards of 13 million immigrants undocumented people um, in the United States. We've thrown everything on the line um, and not just in a path to citizenship, but we've also fought for the inclusion. Uh, we fought tooth and nail for the inclusion of undocumented people in uh, in relief packages, stimulus checks, uh, FEMA assistance, and we've actually helped huge amounts of undocumented families in our district get federal relief um, that many others were trying to lock. So people are in the country illegally, and there's Representative Ocasio-Cortez bragging about how much money, uh, your money, she got for them. It's not relief. It's taxpayer dollars. It's yours. She's proud of this. Her view of the world, her view of what should be, her view of what is decent. The acceptance of illegal activity. Except, of course, if you don't want to pay your taxes. You don't pay your taxes, she'll bring the IRS to your house. The things she will do to you and your family, you have not even dreamt of. 
but other people break the law, uh, they get your dollars. And she's bragging about it. That's, man, that is a something. And there are people who, who love this and will continue to vote for it. Meanwhile, we've got more and more people recognizing the nonsense about masks. And you have more and more school districts saying, okay, we're done here. More and more states saying we're done here. Then you've got those people who they don't care. People want to change uh, guidance on masks. Nope. Not going to listen to that. Going to do what I do. Okay. Well, then what happened to the conversation about the science? Let's break this down just a little bit. And then Justin Trudeau, he's the prime minister of Canada. He is a lowlife. He is the authoritarian that Ocasio-Cortez wishes she could be and Bernie Sanders fantasizes about. The latest? You won't believe it when you hear it. There's no way to believe it when you hear it. I had to hear it twice to make sure. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, and Rumble.com. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Get all the videos, get all the podcasts, get everything there. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.